This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2545. I'm Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome to a good interview I did with Brandon Bramley about salary negotiation. He's got a good website. He's an interesting guy. I think you'll learn a lot from this interview. I do hope you find it helpful and give it a great review wherever you listen to it or watch it. Because again, Spotify is a place where you can watch my podcasts. And I'll just simply say, visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us. There's a ton there that will help you in the blog. Plus, you can schedule time for a free discovery call for coaching, a paid coaching session with me, or if you just have some questions for me, I'll set aside a half hour for you for what I call trusted advisor services. You can ask me questions. I do charge for this, of course, but I think by now you know I can help. I'll also say connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. And we'll be back in just one moment. So my guest today is Brandon Bramley, who's the founder of The Salary Negotiator. Brandon has a background with strategic negotiations from having worked in many procurement and vendor management roles at a few large firms, including Amazon and American Airlines, where he did million-dollar or multi-million-dollar B2B negotiations and also recruited and hired many career professionals. He also has more than 10 years of experience negotiating salaries and currently runs, I love this name, The Salary Negotiator, where he provides professional job offer and salary negotiation coaching to help individuals navigate a negotiation process confidently and earn higher compensation. Brandon, welcome. Thanks for making time today. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. We'll see about that by the end of the conversation. (laughs) Absolutely. So there are obviously many different ways to navigate a job offer negotiation. And we may look at things differently because we come from different backgrounds. But I want to understand the negotiation framework you follow with your firm. So walk us through this process. And maybe along the way, I'll start clarifying questions. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We're both coaches in this space, so I'm excited to hear your input as well. Um, But at the salary negotiator, um, I personally negotiated hundreds of salaries for different clients um, with all types of companies, whether it's Google, Facebook, Amazon, or smaller startups. And what we've done is we've identified essentially a job offer negotiation framework. Um, So essentially five key steps um, that we follow um, to make sure that we have a high probability of success in salary negotiations um, that essentially anyone can follow themselves, whether they work with us. So they actually do the negotiation themselves. Um, So the first step um, is actually understanding the components of your job offer, especially as you start to look at different companies, um, you increase your kind of breadth as well as getting promotions um, in your skill set, your your compensation is going to get a little bit more um, complicated. So rather than maybe just getting a base salary, now you're getting a bonus, possibly equity, maybe a sign-on bonus um, and some other packages that are included that need to be looked at. That way you understand exactly what your monetary take-home pay is at the end of the day. Um, so you know how to negotiate that up. Um, the last thing you want to do is I, I just want to, I, I'm going to interrupt you here for a second. Yeah. And that is, I just want to be clear for the audience. We're not talking about the part of the negotiation that takes place during the interviewing process. Because as we both know, on their side, they're negotiating during the interviews. 
for job hunters, this is the point where they think that they're negotiating. Uh, they've received the offer, and now we have to fiddle with it a little bit. So do I have that right? Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, because really, there shouldn't be too much negotiating or sharing salary information, at least for our opinion, in the interview process on the um, interviewee side. So really, what I'm talking about now is once you have a job offer in hand, you essentially have the right to accept and start working at that company. Um, and the leverage shifts in your favor is where our steps kick in. So the first thing is understanding the different components of the offer, and that is salary, bonus, RSUs, options, whatever the numbers are that are being proposed to you. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, that that's the big thing, right? Is you want to know how much you're making at the end of the day. That way, instead of just negotiating one of those components, you can negotiate all of them up at the same time and make sure you're actually increasing your total compensation. Um, so once you have a good understanding of that, um, and a key step, step that most people miss um, is actually completing your due diligence on the job offer and asking the right questions. Um, so this is a big step in any type of negotiation. Um, and even a salary negotiation, where before you start throwing out numbers, telling them the offer is low, it's actually your chance to show that you're very interested in the role, um, but start getting the last questions you might have answered, as well as throw out some strategic questions where you can start to collect some data points, uh, maybe get a few freebies, and start build additional leverage before you actually send over a counter. Um, so, so what, what be... sort of questions might someone ask during that period of time that makes sense from your vantage point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it. A lot of offers usually don't have a sign-on bonus. So that's like your first chance to ask about that. Um, essentially, hey, you know what? Based off my skill set as what I've seen with other offers um, and other opportunities, I know I thought it was odd that there wasn't a sign-on bonus included in the offer. Do you mind just taking this back to your team to see if you do offer this benefit? Um, or maybe the PTO is slow or maybe the 401k is not as competitive. Start asking targeted questions about that of like, hey, I know the 401k was a little bit lower than I was expecting with like a 3% match. Um, is that consistent for all roles or, hey, I see we only get two weeks of uh, um, vacation, yet most companies are given four weeks or unlimited now. Um, that way, you might not right off the bat actually get them to change their mind, especially with like a 401k program, they're probably not going to. But what you're doing is you're already setting the stage for the negotiation and building up leverage because you're poking at their offer gently, showing on how it might not be competitive to other opportunities so that when you come in with your financial ask, it's going to have more breadth um, and legitimacy and they're going to be more likely to make adjustments. So with the gentle questioning, and, and I know we're we're still on step one here uh, and perfectly fine with that. I just want to make sure that everyone's following with us. So in the gentle probing, what sort of questions might someone ask? Because I heard you talk about seemed a little bit low on this and a little bit this this one hit the mark, but this these two other areas seemed a little off from what my research says. And could you go back to the team in terms of a sign-on? Like, could you share the language that you coach people to use in doing the probing? Yeah, absolutely. So really the probing is designed to gently poke at why their offer is not as competitive. So it's using verbiage like specifically for the sign-on bonus saying, hey, um, you know what, uh, based off what I've seen at other companies, as well as based on my skill set, I thought it was relatively odd that there wasn't a sign-on bonus including the offer. Do you mind taking this back to your team just to see if they offer this type of benefit? Um, or if you're, say, looking at, say, the bonus, uh, maybe... 
it's a target bonus, they say of 10%. If it's a target bonus, there's probably a percentage um, that can fluctuate based off personal as well as company performance. So using a targeted um, question to say, hey, um, I noticed that there's a 10% bonus, but what is the average payout each year? And what have you seen over the last few years? And what is the company on track to do this year? That way you can identify if it's truthful. <laughs> um, are you actually going to get a 10% bonus or is it going to be 5% or is it going to be um, 15%. So you're already setting the stage, you're collecting more information uh, before you kind of get into the next step of the negotiation. And one of the things I would love in these uh, situations, because you were talking about the range of the bonus over a few years, COVID obviously affected a lot of firms' performance and a lot of bonuses during that time. And if they owned up to it, I would love their honesty. Uh, if, they, if they tried <laughs> to hide it, and just talk about one year, um, you know, to me, they're, they're trying to, to bury the lead there. Uh, so, <laughs> so, again, that's how I kind of look at things, because I look for, for the relationship between you and, and your future boss. And where they're withholding, I view that as a signal for what might happen once you join. So yeah. Exactly. I mean, the last thing you want to do is join with false expectations and expect a huge bonus at the end of the year. You work for an year and a year and then it ends up being half that. Um, so it's always good to understand the offer, um, set expectations up front. That way you're kind of happy at the end and you're able to negotiate it to account for that fact to make sure you do hit those goals. Surprises um, are never good. <laughs> no, no, especially not after you've started a job. Um, but the next step is really after you complete the first one, you understand your total compensation, um, you do your due diligence in the second step and actually um, ask some targeted questions, bring back some data points. Also, hopefully get yourself some quick wins is it's time to actually research the compensation range in that exact role. Um, so a big thing about how most companies work is they're going to have a set base salary as well as total compensation number, and it's going to be on a range. Um, so they're going to have flexibility. There'll be a low end, a mid end, and a high end. Um, so a big key role is to go ahead and identify what that is and research. That way you know how much room might be left to negotiate um, and how strong your offer is off the bat. Very rarely... <laughs> Have I ever actually seen an offer at the top end of the pay range? So there's usually always flexibility. But if it is a competitor off the gate, um, you want to make sure you've done the research, you know how much more to ask for. Otherwise, throwing out random others can be a little bit of aggressive and bring in that old school car salesman negotiation where you shoot high, they shoot low, and you argue into a meet in the middle rather than taking a database approach to where um, you're putting something in front of them that's reasonable, but also at the top end of their pay range. And notice that phrase, data data approach. Um, you know, you don't want to be hip shooting things because you may hip shoot too low. Forget about too high. You may miss some money by not using real data to understand what the real range can wind up being. Cool. Yeah, exactly. And, and really, anyone can do this. I mean, there's a bunch of public facing 
um, websites out there, whether it's Payscale, Glassdoor, Comparably, Levels.fyi. Uh, but the key is, is I mean, they're publicly reported. <laughs> also, Jeff mentioned with the craziness that happened in COVID and the crazy bonuses and increases and now drop in the economy, um, is people might be reported um, higher ranges, maybe say they have like equity appreciation or raises compared to what a new hire would get. So it's always good to look at multiple resources to make sure weaving those out and have an average between the two so you have a better picture on what the compensation should be. And to repeat the publicly fa facing resources, you mentioned Glassdoor, Payscale, Comparably, was it? The, a third one? And what was the fourth one, I think? Yeah, mentioned? Comparably. Yeah. Yeah, the fourth one is a good one as well. It's levels.fyi. Um, it's more specific to the tech industry and tech-based roles, um, but they do a good job of breaking out the details. Um, however, all of those sites are prone to uh, personal error. <laughs> so if someone misses one of the components, doesn't understand total compensation, that can bake into it. Gotcha. Perfect. So we're up to number three now. Am I right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're at number three. So really, once you get all those steps, you should be in a great place to send a counteroffer. Um, so once we've done the due diligence, um, we've done the research, we understand the total compensation. This is when it's actually the negotiation kicks off and you're ready to ask the recruiter um, to take an increase back in pay. So really, it's combining all of those points that you found through the research as well as the pay range um, and sending that back to the recruiter. I typically recommend doing this by email. Um, a lot of people, um, I'm interested to see what you think, Jeff, like to go ahead and do it over the phone. But by an email, if you think about it, is most people um, don't have these negotiations that often. So by doing it by email, you can control the tone. Um, you're also emailing back something to the recruiter that they can use internally to fight on your behalf. Um, and you would avoid a lot of the interjections that you might get on the phone that the recruiter is going to use to deter you to negotiate. You know, with some people, I recommend phone. And I, the way I'll pose it to them is, have you done many negotiations? Do you have this this sense of yourself as becoming anxious during a negotiation? If so, do it by email. If you're comfortable, do it by phone. And then confirm it by email. So that in this way, there's a written record of what's been discussed, what's been proposed. One of the reasons I encourage those who are able to, to do it by phone is to hear the sincerity. Because again, to me, one of the missing yeah. pieces to email is they're just seeing this shotgun at them. They have the momentary freak out of how many things are on that list? Hell, asking for 12 items? Oh, is, I don't know about that. And you can't sense where you've overshot. Uh, but when you're on the phone, they can hear your sincerity. You can hear how they're responding to it and adapt on the fly. And again, if that's not you, if you're not really attuned to other people and you'll be in your own head and not really listening, by all means, just do it by email. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. My uh my approach is usually 
email, um, but I do think phones a great route as long as you feel comfortable with those. Because the biggest thing is, you called it out, Jeff, is these negotiations and topics, they shouldn't be aggressive. It should almost be in the tone where you're talking with a friend that's helping you feel comfortable with the move, move to the new role. So if you can do that by email because you don't want to have them throw out any tactics with you, that's great. But if you feel comfortable and you want to deliver that in a sincere way on the phone, that works just as well. And you don't want to have a multi-screen text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay away from text. <laughs> you know, someone I'm working with now um, was getting an offer today. And, and I was just making sure he was clear about what the firm needed to do to bring him on. So I want to see his list because I know him well enough to know where he might settle. And thus, for me yeah. to know where he might settle rather than push for what he wanted would allow me to hold him accountable to what he said he really wanted. So um, I, I received this text from him in, in Europe, and it was like four screens long. <laughs> I can just imagine sending this to an employer, uh, and it just doesn't work. Oh, not the right approach. <laughs> no. So we've covered three so far. Yeah. Um, so four. So the fourth one was the counteroffer um, is actually getting that out the door, getting that into the recruiter's hands. And thus, you've received the offer. You've done your due diligence. You've you've gently probed along the way to understand and to share some of the good stuff, the bad stuff. And now we're at the point of the counteroffer, and that's you counterproposing. Uh, to the firm, to the recruiter, whomever it is you're dealing with, um, what you really want. Yeah, absolutely. Because the next step after that is what a lot of people miss and where most people fall short in the negotiation is actually handling objections. So most times you send over a counter, you're going to spend all this time, you're going to prep for this phone call, be like, I'm going to deliver it perfect. It's going to come out great and they're going to accept. Um, but typically they tell you no <laughs> and they say, oh, sorry, we don't negotiate. Um, and there's a laundry list of reasons they can give you. But typically those no's are not realistic. And the key negotiators and the most successful people in these negotiations know to still gently push back and ensure that they still take their concerns back to the team. Uh, because if you think about it, I mean, the recruiter's job is not only to go ahead and hire an employee, run them through the interview process, but it's to deter them from negotiating. So they have a few tactics. And the first one is to tell you no, to see if they can get you to accept the offer as is before they go internally to fight on your behalf. And one of the ones I know one of my clients when I did recruiting used to use is they made an offer for less than what they already had approved because they knew some people would always want to negotiate. So they had more money in their hip pocket to make the person feel as though they got something out of them when in fact it had been pre-approved at that amount. So if you settle, if you buy into the original offer, from their standpoint, they say, oh, save the firm 15 grand. Terrific. Yeah. Terrific. I'm a hero. But, <laughs> but always try. Always yeah. shoot for it. Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest key here is everyone should negotiate a job offer. I mean, even at the salary negotiator, we have a 94% success rate. So 94% of the time, do companies actually provide better compensation when you negotiate? 
So in my opinion, with only a 6% rate of them not negotiating, worst case is you go through the negotiation process, you try and they say no. And then at least in your mind, you know that at least you tried, you're not worried later down the road. But like I said, 94% of the time, if you do it correctly, they're going to provide more compensation because maybe they're expecting you to negotiate. Usually it's a skill set that they're seeking in most jobs. Um, there's a ton of reasons why it might be lower. Um, so it makes sense to justify, take that additional step and actually try to get more compensation before you kind of commit your life for the next three to five years to this new company. Agree. So you mentioned the objection of, no, we're not going to do it. We never do it except on Tuesdays in August if it's snowing. But what other sort of objections surface? Yeah, great. So it can be it can be anything, right? Anything that sounds like an excuse or a no, whether it's very general as in, hey, we feel we gave you a great offer based off your experience and we're at the max compensation for a role, so we just can't move. Um, or saying, hey, you know what, we pay everyone the same in this role. Um, or we're cash strapped with the current economy. Um, we don't have flexibility on our offers. Um, and what a lot of companies put out is say they don't negotiate. Um, the offer is what it is. It can really be any tactic, but if you notice, it sounds more like an excuse, a reason, or just a general no. Um, you should actually be over we're trying to overcome that with the goal to have them take your concerns back to the hiring team. If you think about it as well is hopefully the recruiter already has something approved that they can negotiate and provide you a better offer. But typically they're not the decision makers. That's going to come down to the recruiting team, um, the compensation team, or the hiring manager. So the recruiter almost acts as a gatekeeper. You're trying to get past the gatekeeper to make sure they take your concerns to the decision makers to see if they'll provide you with a better offer. And I'm also going to mention the third-party recruiter, not just simply the corporate recruiter. The third-party yeah. recruiter has a fee involved. And there's they don't want to worry about whether or not they're going to lose all that time and the fee involved. So often they'll slap you down too. So mm -hmm. when they start pushing back, you might just simply rem remember that and say, hey, look, I'm not inclined to say yes right now, which really gets them scared. <laughs> yeah. So take it back to your client because I'm going to if you don't. And that yeah. that puts them in a huge bind. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Um, because you yeah. want them working on your behalf. And at that moment, actually throughout the entire search, they're working on behalf of their corporate customer. Be, and trying to be your friend and your buddy and and move you along the conveyor belt to the point where you join and they earn their money. And they try to be very slick throughout this time. And particularly at closing time, at the time that you're getting the offer, they will advocate for their client. That's really it. It's all they can go. It's mm, really take it or leave it. Well, I'm inclined to leave it. So why don't you go back to your client and see if you can get them to up the money? This is what I'll take. This is what the numbers need to be. And suddenly they'll advocate for you because they don't want to lose the deal. Suddenly they'll fight for you rather than work for their client. Is that what you find in those situations as well? Yeah, honestly, 100% you're spot on because most people just think the negotiation is going to happen with the recruiter or the hiring team. But third party recruiters, they're 
it's interesting because what I've seen in our experience is that's usually where sometimes a negotiation will get a little bit more aggressive because the recruiter almost gets ticked off a little bit because they now see kind of their fee disappearing because they're like, oh, shoot, not only you might not accept, but now I got to go back to this company and they're going to think that I didn't set the right expectations now that you're negotiating. Um, so it might make me look bad. But at the end of the day, um, it's their job and they're getting paid a very hefty fee to place you with that company. Um, so it makes sense that you're doing the due diligence. You're pressing them with some of those tactics to make sure that they go back, fight for you um, and get you a better offer before you accept. And folks, I'll just remind you, there's a point where you might hear from a third party recruiter saying something to the effect of, you know, I'm having a conversation with them at four o'clock today where I'm going to be doing the negotiating for you. I just want to make sure that I have the numbers down right for you. They already know the numbers at this point. And what they're trying to do is to see how manageable you are to get to those numbers or whether they're going to be in a fight with you, with their client. So don't fall for the BS. Yeah, exactly. Usually that question is to go ahead and find out what your like bottom dollar is. Um, but it's, if you've already done your research, you know, what it is, or if you already sent out the counter, it's better to stick what you've already shared. Don't negotiate down, um, keep it vague and just press them to go back and negotiate on your behalf. Um, and also just send a counter and kind of set their expectations. <laughs> They'll put a ton of tactics in place that would get you stressed out. Um, but it should be a pretty calm negotiation. It really should is the truth of it. Once you start to recognize that the game is rigged against you that the third-party recruiter at this particular moment in particular uh, is not your friend. What they are is another person at the table trying to hit you over the head like a baby seal uh, and, <laughs> and get you to become compliant. Yeah. Um, you know, once you understand that, um, you don't wind up giving away all your power at the negotiating yeah. table. Exactly. It's it's very similar to sales, right? Salesmen try to become your best friend. Um, they're using that emotional tie, which is also what recruiters do. Um, not only does it make it a pleasurable experience, but then you're going to open up, you're going to trust them more because it's not a business relationship. Now it's more friendly. You're going to feel that they're being more honest, um, kind of take their word at face value. But at the end of the day, you probably only been recruited or going through the interview process for a little bit. Um, you need to make sure that you kind of avoid, um, still be nice and genuine, build those relationships, but kind of keep to the facts and the figures and don't um, just take everything they say at face value because um, that's a key goal. So picture them as a salesman that you need to overcome. <laughs> exactly right. And if you want to feel, uh, well, I'll, I'll skip that uh, thing. I was going to be critical of people in particular professions uh, and I'll just back away from that. Did we cover point number five? I just want to make sure we haven't missed anything there. Yeah, yeah, really. The um, the last the last point was handling any objections um, and actually sending another counteroffer if you need to. So say they didn't hit the first mark um, when you sent over the first counteroffer and they come back with something, but it's lower than what you were expecting. Um, it is okay to send a second counteroffer um, and still push back on the data that you found, what your goals were. Maybe if you have another offer that's competitive, bring that into the loop. Um, but going past that, it can sometimes get aggressive. 
Um, so usually we only recommend two counters, but the key steps we recommended, or at least I recommend, is understand the components of your job offer first. Um, really don't kick off the negotiation until you have a job offer in hand. Um, the second is complete your due diligence on the job offer by asking questions. Um, don't skip that step. Make sure you understand everything about the role, build yourself up some leverage, hopefully get some freebies, and then research the compensation range so you know how much to ask for. Um, and then the fourth step is um, sending a counter offer. So actually creating that counter offer, getting it out to the recruiter, whether it's by email um, or over the phone. And the fifth one is handle objections. Do not take no for an answer. Um, learn how to overcome those objections and then send another counter offer if you need to. For me, when I work with people, I believe that negotiation on their side is beginning with the screener in the first interview where they're asking you, so what are you looking for? And you really don't have enough information to answer that question. So I encourage a strategy of defer and deflect. And defer yeah. and deflect translates into, you know, all I've done is read the job description or I got the briefing from Rona Recruiter and she told me about the job, but I haven't met my future boss. I don't have a real sense of expectations, what the work is going to be like, what the team is like, timeline for getting things done. So can we circle back to that later once I have more information? Because the job description probably isn't completely accurate. Most HR people are honest enough to admit, maybe if they're lucky, a job description is 80% accurate. So you're aiming at the wrong target to begin with, and they're trying to tie you into numbers early in the process. And that's their form of negotiating. It's a heavy hand early. And when they try and push you, uh, I encourage people to say, you know, I can give you a number, but I'm not wed to this. I can come back and change it afterwards after I meet with everyone and have a clearer idea of the role. I may go up. I may also come down a little bit. So can't we just deal with this at a later point once I have the more information? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you said that too, because too many times do recruiters ask for salary expectations and people feel that they have to throw them out. Um, if you think about it, they're hiring for the role. They know what skill set they need. They also know what budget they have approved. They know exactly how much they pay. You should not have to tell them. Um, usually they're trying to get you to anchor around the number. And the risk with that is if you throw out a lower number, you're stuck to that. It's going to be harder to negotiate it up. Um, and a lower number, you might be coming in at a less competitive pay range. And the other risk, which a lot of people don't think about, a lot of people are like, hey, you know what? I'm going to throw out a big number. That way I'll have a very aggressive competitive salary if I land this job is they might be like, wow, we can't afford this person. Maybe we should go in a different route and move some of these other candidates forward. So just like Jeff mentioned, I mean, you should push back on that and say, hey, I've just looked at the, um, the job description or, hey, you know what? I've been focusing on interviewing for the role. I haven't even thought about the compensation yet. Um, so we can talk about that once I have a chance to review the job offer and the details are included, as well as the benefit information. Or you can go ahead and actually turn the question back on them and say, hey, you know what? I don't, like I mentioned, I've been focusing on interviewing for this job. I have no idea what the compensation should be, but why don't you tell me what you have approved for this role and what range you're thinking about? And that's true using the defer and deflect approach. Once you mm -hmm. finish that, say, and could you give me an idea of what the range is for the role? Yeah. And sometimes people, you know, they laugh when I say this. And sometimes the firm responds with, I asked you first. Yes, but I asked you second. Uh, and 
what difference does it make? And it's just, yeah. it's an, it, to me, there's information in everything that goes on in the process. And nonsense questions like this, where they try to tie you down early, and they really push hard on the number. There's a message in that sort of a culture about being very rules-based that I think is very useful for individuals to recognize in what might what to look out for in the organization as they start to interview and they consider joining. So I just want to check for anything. What haven't we covered yet that we really should? Yeah, I would say um, a few other items um, specific to job offer negotiations is it's it's a very uncomfortable experience, right? A lot of people haven't done it before or they get nervous about it. So there's a lot of myths out there um, throughout. But at the salary negotiator, my goal is to make sure that everyone negotiates um, and they at least give it a try and they feel comfortable going into these because with the with the economy right now, people have heard layoffs in the news. Um, they feel they don't have as much leverage, so they're getting scared. Um, or maybe it's their dream dream job. You know, I've been interviewing for a while. I need this job. I don't have another opportunity. I want this, so I'm just not going to negotiate. I'm going to accept as is. But there's so many myths um, and reasons that get in your mind to go ahead and kind of make for fear that just aren't realistic. Um, so I don't know if you've heard any myths out there for why people don't negotiate, but I'm happy to share some in hopes that everyone will actually negotiate their job offer. The big one I find is I'm afraid that they'll take it back. <laughs> or rescind the offer. That one is ridiculous. I, everyone asks that and like, how often does this happen? And I can tell you, Jeff, I have never had a job offer rescinded um, while helping clients negotiate. As long as you're friendly, kind, confident, and professional, not being super aggressive, um, follow a framework, there's no reason they would pull it. The worst case they could ever say is no, um, but you should also make sure that's a real no and not just an objection. But why would they pull an offer after they interview for you for what, a couple weeks, a couple months, and they have the hiring manager as well as the rest of the hiring team pointing at the recruiter and saying, hey, you better make sure this person starts and get them in this seat and so the work can get done. Instead of like, oh, you know what? They need a little bit more money. Um, let's go find another candidate. Let's start the month process or two month process over again. Gotcha. What other myths do you find people buy into? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people just don't think they have leverage to negotiate. Um, a lot of people think that they need additional offers to negotiate. Otherwise, there's no reason to negotiate. They would never say yes, or the employer would flat out refuse. But in all reality, the way it works in the interview process is throughout the interview, you're trying to show that you're the best, the best person for the role. Um, you're showcasing your skills and essentially the employer has the leverage, right? You want the job, you need the job. Once they give you a job offer, that's actually when the leverage shifts. They now have gotten everyone sign off and approved to hire you. It's the recruiter's sole job to make sure you start. So the leverage in the negotiation actually shifts. And now it's up to you if you accept or not. And if you don't accept, that recruiter has to go back, uh, not only tell the hiring team, hey, the person didn't accept, but now they aren't hitting their goals. They have to go find someone else, start those interviews over. The hiring manager and hiring team have to have additional interviews. So there's an opportunity cost tied with that. So you actually have leverage uh, because they want you in that role. You have the skill set they need to actually have these com conversations and feel confident. As long as you're doing your research and ask it with, is within reason, there's no point not to negotiate and know that you have leverage for these conversations. Agreed. 
Brandon, this has been fun. How can people find out more about you, the salary negotiator, everything? Okay. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. So this one's going to be very easy. It's the salarynegotiator.com. Um, that's where you can find out to learn more about us, learn more about our services. Also, we offer a free consultation to anyone who's gotten a job offer or right before they get a job offer. Um, so we can give them some quick tips and possibly help them through the negotiation. And then you can find me on um, LinkedIn. My name is Brandon Bramley. You can also find our business page um, on LinkedIn as well, the salary negotiator. And then if you don't want to work with our team, directly, we also started releasing courses. Um, our biggest goal is to make sure that everyone can negotiate their salary and they have that framework to do so. Um, so we have courses on the salarynegotiator.com as well. Super. Brandon, thank you. And folks, we'll be back soon with more. I'm Jeff Alpin, The Big Game Hunter. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you're watching on YouTube, share it, leave a comment, click the like button, do something that lets people know it was worthwhile. Also visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us. There is a ton in the blog that will help you. Plus you can find out about my courses, books, and guides. Schedule time for a free discovery call, a coaching session. Again, a lot there that will help you. Also connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. Mention that you saw the interview. I like knowing I'm helping some folks. Have a terrific day and most importantly, be great. Take care.